Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Thanks for coming out in the heat today and uh, enjoying this. My name is Thad, and i got to tell you what, uh, I love this weather. This is kind of wonderful. I, I love lightning, too. I just don't want it to start any fires. So if, if it thunders and stuff, we'll just figure it's God getting our attention today. Is that cool? Uh, we are sitting here almost finishing this series in Luke, and uh, we're cranking through Luke to finish by uh, the first weekend in September all the way through. We've gone verse by verse through the entire book of Luke, and although every segment has its own message, it's been cool to see how it all goes together, but here's something interesting, right? We're flying through. I'm getting ready to talk about Luke 19, 11 through 27 today. And then I'm, I'm reading the before and after, and I'm going, wait a second. We did, we've never talked about Luke 18, 35 through 43. So I'm having this discovery. After I'd been thinking through the dialogue and the talk and everything on Luke 19, I have this discovery on Friday. So I was in this little, you know, moment going, hmm, nobody's going to notice, right? I could just skip this. And it's never going to bother anybody. But if anybody knows how OCD I am, I can't just skip something. I'm like, you know, I, I've got I've to do it. I've got to hit it. And then I started reading it. And it was like, so I hadn't been thinking on it. I'm just being, I'm oversharing, right? I hadn't been thinking on it. I hadn't been prepping for this segment. And I usually let it just stew over the course of time. And all of a sudden, I sit down at the computer. And the Lord just goes, and I was like, wow, I love this text. This is crazy. So let's jump into it today. I think you're really going to enjoy this and uh, should challenge all of us as to how we live, as to how we go day to day, which I think is the goal of every passage, how we can be a better representation of Jesus in the world around us. So Luke 18, verse 35 says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. That's nice language for shut it, right? I think it's what they're like, hey, sh- oh, mm, uh, you know, that little moment right there. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. 
Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Now get this. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Interesting, this isn't a message that's going to have points and like step one, step two, step three. It does contain that a little bit, right, inside the text. But what I want us to see is I want us to kind of unpack this and go, what's happening exactly here and, and, and how should we be challenged? The disciples, the ones leading the way, it says, of the crowd with Jesus, rebuked the blind guy, told him to be quiet. They basically marginalized him, right? They're saying, no, this, you're not worthy of this man's time. Man, I can't, it's hard to process. Our culture is so totally different as a church, right? It's hard to put myself in the shoes of the disciples to be demanding silence and quietness. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt that awkward moment of being in a group that treats someone that should totally be made welcome as an outsider and how uncomfortable you felt in that moment. Because you're like, but why would we shun them? Why would we do this? And in that whole processing of your mind to wrap your mind around that. So I was just like, man, silence, rebuke. And I just, I just wanted to pose a question to make us think. Who have you felt awkward around and been tempted to silence with either your actions or your inactivity? And man, when you really process that, we do it all the time. Maybe it's not the words, silence, shut it, zip it, zip, no. Zip, zip. Maybe we haven't done that, but our actions say, I'm not, not going to talk to you. I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'm going to act like you're invisible. We silence people all the time. And I don't know if you've ever felt marginalized, of no importance is what that word means, as, a, as if you are not being heard. You say something and people just don't even acknowledge that you're present. When we tend to marginalize that which we are not comfortable with, and our comfort, our lack of comfort is often due to our lack of listening or relating. If we took the time to try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, if we took the time to process, well, what is their life truly like and not make a snap judgment, we would be drastically less likely to marginalize somebody. On the other side, the person being marginalized they feel a lack of love and understanding when they're not heard, when they're just shut down, when they're just given a rote answer. 
And so I think we're challenged in the world around us because our job is to be open with our life. In a world that often just shuts down that which they're not comfortable with. But this guy, this guy had something within him that although the leaders of the way, the ones that are leading the way with Jesus, they, now all they said is this was Jesus of Nazareth, right? It was the blind man on his own initiative that referred to him as the son of David. That reference was reserved to the Messiah, the coming king, the child of God. So he was not just saying, hey, yo, dude, I heard you did some miracles. Do one on me. I'm next. Let's make this happen, right? He was, he was literally attributing deity to Jesus of Nazareth. So you could think it sounded like he was just shouting, but really he's actually saying, I believe you're the son of God. Wait. And so it was a little different. So we need that context because he wasn't just shouting. But he did shout all the more. Man, that phrase, he shouted all the more when he was rebuked and silenced. And that kind of tenacity. Well, the result is something that just messed me up when I read it. And my mind began to race Two amazing words that became the title of the talk today. Jesus stopped. The Son of God stopped in his tracks while his disciples, leading the way, rebuked the blind man who wanted mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me, is what he was asking for. He stopped. Jesus stopped. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present help in trouble. This man didn't know to pray, but intuitively he knew how to cry out to God. To cry out to God. And I began to think through all the stories of Scripture. And, and as you read it more, if you haven't read it much, that's fine. Begin. Because there's incredible things in there. And you see over and over again, hundreds of times in the text of Scripture, from the beginning to the end, they cry out to God. Like, and God will say things like, I heard your cry. Jesus teaches people how to pray, and, and so there's these moments of, I don't know what your need is, but are you, are you making it known to God and jotting it on a connection card, which is great, and we love to pray with you, and we do pray for your connection cards, but are you crying out to God? Are you passionately pursuing God with your needs? So here's this blind man begging. We don't know how many years he's been there. We don't know if it's his daily routine, if it's a source of income. He's sitting there, and here's this crowd. He's marginalized and silenced by the disciples. And it's, he's blind. It's invisible what's passing. 
but those who are passing are blind to the opportunity of a need right there. So it's like, who's really the blind man in this story? Is it the disciple? Or is it the blind man? And here's, I I look at this and I go, okay, side note real fast. Let's build context. Last week we talked about uh, Zacchaeus and and how he climbed the tree. We kind of did a we were in Luke 18, and we jumped forward to Luke 19 to show these parallels. And, and, and Zacchaeus, at the beginning of that story, it said Jesus was passing through Jericho. So here at the beginning of this passage, we hear that he's approaching Jericho. So we know his intent. He's just walking through. And so it, it makes this even, even more powerful to think Jesus stopped for a blind man. He was on his way. He was making his way. He's on his final approach to the cross. In his mind, he knows the price and the weight of the sin of the world that he came to bear on his shoulders. And that's the journey he's on. Imagine what's racing through Jesus' mind. Yes, he's the Son of God, but he's fully man, we're taught in Scripture. So he's fully human, knowing I'm about there. Walking along, making his way to bear the sin of the world upon his shoulders, making his way that, to change all of eternity, making his way to death so that he can rise again three days later, so that he can then ascend into heaven, giving us eternal life as a promise if we just put our faith on Jesus, making way for the Holy Spirit to come and empower us to be witnesses and to do even greater things than we can read that Jesus did. He's going to pay this price in his body. He's just passing through Jericho, but the cries of someone in need, he stopped. And that just messes me up. Because in the world we live in today, we don't stop. We just keep going and going and going and going and going. And I'm one of the chief sinners of getting in my mind a task and, and, and what I have to do with my life and what is my list today. And Wonderlist tells me and I check off the box as I go and I feel good the more boxes I check off, right? And it's just, I'm weird that way. And so I'm gotten, but when there's something there that's so easy to walk past and that something is human, it's a person with a need, am I going to stop? Because Jesus would. And it bothers me that I don't. It challenges me. Psalm 9.9 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So the Savior of the world was stopped in his tracks because someone shouted all the more. There's heroes on both sides of this story. A passionate pursuer of Jesus and Jesus. (laughs) Stopping on his final journey 
I look at this and I go, man, he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. And that resulted in Jesus stopping and he got his healing. And I, I just look at this. He got the mercy he was crying out for. And, and I start to begin to think. I'm like, man, how, how passionately have I pursued Jesus in my needs? I mean, how strong do I go after him? It's like, yeah, Jesus, heal my ankle. It hurts and I don't want to have surgery. So thank you that I'm out of the boot and this ankle brace is annoying. So Lord, just awesome. Okay, let's go dig a flat spot for a big pool in my backyard. Okay, let's go. Let's go torture my ankle. So I do these things, right, with my life. But did I say, no, Lord, like heal my ankle? Like I, I just not, or, or did I just go heal my ankle? Okay, next. Uh, French press. Let's make some coffee. You know, there's my morning prayer. Or did I go, God, God, touch my body. Dana sprained her knee. She has a good story. I have no story with my ankle. I have no idea how I heard it. Dana sprains her knee diving to defend a winning shot in volleyball at camp. You know, it's just, you know, so and she sprains her knee. And so she's, you know, having fun limping around. And it's like, do I go, God, heal Dana's knee in the name of Jesus. Bring those ligaments back together. Or am I just like, yeah, okay, touch, touch your leg, Lord. Amen. Let's, say, let's eat. Let's have some dinner. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm convicted by this man. Have we believed for provision? If you're longing for companionship, have you called out to God for that? If you need a friend, if you, if you need a, a spouse, whatever the need is, have you pleaded for the comfort you're longing for? Have you really sought and cried out to Jesus, help me forgive them? I don't want to carry this bitterness any longer. Have you prayed for your breakthrough? Have you prayed for that pregnancy? Have you prayed for that new job? Have you cried out to God for that? I don't know. I just think it's a different consistency of prayer that's happening here than, than we tend to practice when we want to only give the Lord a quick moment while we're brushing our teeth <laughs> or eating a meal. Have you been encouraged to just believe the reports that you're handed by a doctor or you can find on Google. To accept the reality, to embrace the cards you've been dealt, to accept the status quo. Honestly, I view a lot of that as the silencing of the disciples here in this story. We're trusting Google instead of crying out to God. And I'm going, no, let's pursue God because we need to stop listening to the rebuke and the silence and say, no, God, you can do this. I read this. You do miracles. And I'm going to call out for it. So he shouted all the more. And so I'm never going to stop praying if this guy's not going to stop praying. And I'm going to pray all the louder. I'm not going to sit back and just you know, yeah, okay, I have a need. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after Jesus for my need. When he's present, I'm going to cry out to him. Again, the psalmist said, I love because Psalms talks about this all the time. It says in, in Psalm 88, 1, it says, Lord, you are my God. You're the God who saves me. Day and night, I cry out to you. Day and night, I cry out to you. 
Again, conviction right there. So I think we need to discover the opportunities and take advantage of the opportunities to cry out to God that are presented to us. And really take up that righteous indignation, that determination, that drive that is necessary to see the Lord move in and through our lives. Upon hearing the presence of Jesus was near, that's when this guy started shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. So, man, I don't know about you, but I just say, where have we lost that passion in a, as a church of prayer? Where has it gone away? When's the last time I've been in a prayer meeting when, when we're just crying out to God? And I know students at summer camp would say, well, yeah, there were pretty, there were some weird people. It was happening. There was like loud, you know. And, uh, but there's got to be some moments where we find that opportunity in our life. When we could cry out to God, not just for our needs, but for the needs around us. When did we turn his house, a name for the church and scripture, went into just a gathering instead of a place of breakthrough, a place of expectancy where we can experience Jesus if we'll just go after him? We've forgotten how to push through, pray through, and press on. So, Challenge taken personally. I think there's some incredible teaching here. So on the flip side, when was the last time you stopped? Because that's what Jesus did. If the Savior of the world would make time on his busy life ending that's about to happen, if he would take the time to stop, why don't we stop for those in need around us? What mistakes are we making when it comes to being a refuge for those in need around us? And I I look at this and just go, oh my goodness. I remember the teaching when I was brand new, like brand new. It couldn't have been but just like a couple of weeks of being a Christian. I'm 21 years old. I'm sitting in church, and this guy teaches this whole sermon about Jesus walking slowly through the crowd. And I still remember that. And just when you look and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and they're tracing around Jesus' life, they're just like, what, what, what the miracles he did are because he was walking through crowds. He was walking through being present with those around him, living out one of our values, being present with community, walking slowly through the crowd. And how many miracles did he do in that season? Why? Because he stops. He takes time for those in need while he's on his way. Luke writes the book of Acts as well. So it's the book right at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then this book of Acts. It's the early church. How many times in the book of Acts, if you begin to read through that book, would you see that the disciples are on their way to prayer and like somebody is asking for money and they just heal them and they walk all of a sudden for the first time in 38 years of their life. And it's these moments while we're on our way being inconvenienced for the glory of God. Jesus stopped. We need to renew our commitment today to follow Jesus' example and stop for others. Find out if we can serve them. 
if there's a way we can connect that would bring glory to God. It's just a reminder for us. So part of being a great ambassador of Jesus, which we're all challenged to be, when we make that decision to follow Jesus that this man, this blind man eventually makes, when we make that decision to follow Jesus, we become Christ's ambassadors, is what it says in Scripture, which means we're his representation. So if Jesus were living through us during our week, he would want us to stop, right? And be present, to, to understand our surroundings, to listen, and not just go, silence. That, that, that doesn't represent listening, does it? When we're just like, silence. Don't talk. One of our favorite movies that we watched as a family for years, but now we don't have a VHS, and the only copies we have are VHS, is Father of the Bride. Have you ever watched Father of the Bride 2? And uh, the Mr. Banks, Bonks, Mr. Bonks, sells his house, and this guy's there, and he tells his wife to be quiet, and he's like, Michael, right? And this gal's like, and it just becomes real quiet, and there's this awkward moment, and so we didn't say shut up in our house. You know, we still don't. But every once in a while, if we say, we know exactly what it means, right? So that's kind of our get away with it. But I look at this and I go, the disciples are doing that. And we do it with our actions every day. We need to not be that representation in the world we're supposed to serve. And we're blessed to serve. I want to see. So this is the interesting thing. Jesus listens enough to not just assume this guy who's blind, who's being led to him, right? He's being led to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. The guy comes, uh, being led by others. And he asks him what he wants. Because all he was asking for was mercy. So maybe he wanted a miracle for somebody else, and he didn't want sight. He wasn't assuming, oh, look, he's blind. You can see. Is that cool? You know, he didn't do that. He, he asked him what he wanted and did the miracle he wanted. I just think that's very intriguing because the guy wanted to see, and Jesus not only opened his eyes and helped him receive sight, he healed him, which means he, he blessed him. He, he gave him faith in God. Like he, he experienced salvation right then and there. And I look at this and I go, what? Here's what transpires. Here's the, if you wanted like three points, and if you're following on your phone, then I already left this on there. But the three things he did there is he received his sight, he followed Jesus, and he praised God. Funny how those three things happen, and it's interesting their order. Because he praised God, all the people saw, and they also praised God. God. Worship team, you can come on up. Um, so a couple questions for you. Why do we try and follow Jesus without praising God? Isn't it interesting? Or wait about this. Why do we try and receive a miracle by following Jesus? Now, before you throw stones... The story went, the guy first was healed, received sight, then he chose to follow Jesus, then he praised God. 
his praise resulting in everybody else's praise. And I go, we try to force people to make a decision to follow Jesus first. And then after they believe, then we maybe can heal them, right? Maybe then they'll deserve the love of God. No, they've got it already, right? We should be believing for people to be healed right now. No requirements. That's what Jesus did. The church should have courage to pray for people before they follow Jesus. To serve people's needs and believe for their breakthrough before they're praising and worshiping God. There's no prerequisites to be that refuge for the broken and the seeking and the hurting around us. We're supposed to be a light in a dark world. We should not be shocked when the world's dark around us. It just makes our light brighter. The natural response of this man who became whole in an instant was praise. Sorry, Dave, I stole your stand. Thanks for letting me borrow that. Otherwise, I would have been blind from my notes. It's kind of part of the message. Okay, so um, I look at this and I just go, oh, my word. This guy begins to praise. I'm imagining he's a praiser as loud as he was shouting. You know, you get that. He's just there and he begins to just go after thanking God with everything he has and becoming a worshiper. And not only did the miracle, but his response inspire everyone around him to begin to praise as well. And I just began to go, oh, wow. My life of worship, my life of praising God could be the very thing that allows those around me to praise God as well. I'm the key to those around me experiencing praise. Not, not, not me because Pastor Thad, I'm not saying that. Like me as a follower of Jesus. You as a follower of Jesus are the key to somebody else being able to well up with praise and give God thanks for all that he has and can do in and through their life. Our praise results in all praise. Become a praising follower of Jesus. Might mean some things. Might mean some changes. Might represent a different hunger. Some changes may have to happen in your life for that. I got a challenge for you. Get to church around 10 minutes before service. Because you know what you'll have time for? The worship portion of the service. It's the key to, to bringing your guests with you and, and them seeing your praise. And hopefully we have things during the course of the week that we're grateful for and we come in already with praise overflowing from our life. I'm pumped for next week's service. And I know you're going to stay up late spraying down your house and grass so that nothing catches on fire next Saturday night. But I'm pumped because the next 
portion of text we're covering next week is the triumphant entry of Jesus. When people are going, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We worship you, God. They're worshiping Jesus. And it's an incredible passage about worshiping God. And so I was so pumped to be able to say, Jamie, can you preach that section of Scripture and just overflow on us a heart for worship? Very natural transition from this today. So I'm pumped for it next week. It'll be explosive. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'll stop being cheesy. Uh, Psalm 71, 23 says this, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I whom you have delivered. There's different responses on the back of your connection card. And I just challenge you, or on the, on the action step button on the digital outline. And there's three specific ones for today's talk that I just want to challenge you with. One, shout all the louder. If you have a need, don't be silent about it. Shout all the louder. Go after the Lord for that, whatever it is. And don't be ashamed. Don't seek it on your own. Share that with others. And may they begin to take up your needs to the Lord as well. Let others be a part of your miracle. The second challenge specific for today's talk talk is stop and listen to people. Who knows the stories that could come out of just one person in this room stopping when other people are marginalizing someone in a room or a space or in community somewhere. And then finally, praise God. Become a worshiper. Become a praiser. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. And God, I thank you for the opportunity we have and the challenge you give us to live like you lived. And those moments like this that Luke records in his gospel account so that we're certain that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Son of David as this man shouted, seeking mercy. And God, you gave him grace and you stopped in the most important season of your life. And now we're your ambassadors. Those who have put our faith in you are your ambassadors to do the same in the world we're so busily running through. Help us to be those that would stop when opportunities present itself. Give us eyes that see. Let us not be the blind in our day. And God, I pray right now that you would well up in all of us a heart of worship, of praise. That God, not only would we praise you for the things in our own life, but just as this story says, all praise. May we celebrate the moments you're doing in others' lives as if it happened in our own. That's what family does. God, we just give you incredible praise that there are those that walk through our door every week seeking refuge, seeking deliverance from their trouble, seeking needs that they need prayed for. And God, I pray right now that the most important need of choosing to follow you would be taken care of in people's lives. That they'll realize that's a very natural step in a process of life is to choose to follow you.
And so, God, maybe someone came through the door with a need that needs met right now in your name, and we cry out for that. We'll pray for them down here following service if they so desire. And, God, I pray as well that if somebody is is yet to follow you, they would just choose. Jesus, come into my life. They would say that prayer. Come into my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to know what it is to live a life of praise as this dude's talking about. God, I just thank you for stirring it up in us, helping us recognize how we can be better examples of you in the world we live in today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.